back to Bourbon Barrel Talk. I'm your host, Scott Metton. Today, we are sitting down in the speakeasy at Justin's House of Bourbon, and we are sitting down with Mr. Turner Wathen and Mr. Travis Hill. How are we doing, gentlemen? What's up, guys? Doing great. We are all good, man. Loving life here in Louisville. Loving life in the Ville, huh? Travis is just wrapping up a hard work day. I bet Scott's had a hard work day. We're ready to drink. That's right. We are ready to drink. And and, and what we're going to talk about today is bourbon versus rum. Now, everybody knows I love bourbon. It's my first drink. But when I'm not drinking bourbon, I want something a little bit different. I usually dive into rum. And I usually dive into Rolling Fork Rum, which is happens to be Turner's brand. But... It, there are other rums out there that I definitely try and, and drink, you know, that uh, come out in around in the old uh, bourbon world and in southern Indiana and Louisville, Kentucky area. So, But I'm going to let Turner kind of run the show a little bit today because he's our, our special, special guest. And then Travis is going to give us some feedback as well as a bourbon expert and uh, what he thinks about rum as well. So, Turner? I'm, I'm excited to be moderator. I've I've, yeah, I've dreamed of this opportunity. This is the pinnacle of my career, and I'm excited to to watch these achievements happen in real time. This isn't the Fred Mitt show, man. It's not the pinnacle <laughs> of your career. It's, it, 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 it's, it might be something, but not it's the pinnacle something. of your career. And, you know, we're at Justin's House of Bourbon, which is one of the more infamous bourbon uh, bourbon liquor stores and bourbon bars in, in the country, and we're on a bourbon barrel podcast, so... Let's talk rum. And <laughs> I like that idea. I have always been hopeful that we would have that that day would come. And I, I've got some street cred to talk bourbon and rum because Rolling Fork is named after my family, the Wathens Rolling Fork Distillery, which was started in Lebanon, Kentucky in 1786. But when we launched our company in 2014, we decided to go after rum because at that time we made a poor judgment call and thought that bourbon was going to be a little bit too played out in 2014 and 15. And boy, were we wrong, but we're lucky enough to be here today with bourbon enthusiasts talking about our products and you should try all rums. You shouldn't buy all rums, but you should at least try them. And what we try to do is we try to apply American whiskey standards to the rums that we import and bottle here in Kentucky. So we are independent bottlers. We source rums from all across the Caribbean and barrel age and bottle them here in Kentucky. And when you all look at the market of bourbon, you know, when you look at your audience that you are podcasting to, and when you look at your consumers that are looking to find you in new and unique spirits, you know, how, how challenging is it now showing them the multitude of of fine crafted brands out there on the bourbon shelf versus how challenging what how, what what's the difference like in a five year span what is what has that changeover been like for you Travis for you me said Travis yeah why does it why are you pointing to me <laughs> <laughs> no I mean it, it look for me it's all about having options right so I love bourbon that's the reason why I'm here that's the reason kind of why we're why we're all here. Um, that's why I moved to Kentucky. That, that's what I, I live and die for, but things get redundant. So I need some scotch in my life. I need some, some brandy in my life, Armagnac, and I need some rum. And, uh, these guys with Rolling Fork just happened to bring in amazing rum. I'm not sure I'm answering the question, but I'm just going to tell you about why I like it. 
um, you guys are, I like how you said you're applying the, you know, the, the, the bourbon, the way they do bourbon, you know, pure single cask or, or some blends, you know, no, no steering away from adding flavors and stuff like that, man. It's just single barrel cash drink for the most part, really high quality rum. I think it translates really well. Uh, as well with a lot of the characteristics and um, we can kind of nerd out over it as well but it's it's just one of those things I think is it, it it's early uh, I think this is kind of a golden era for these independent bottlings and um, you know I, I'm just here for it 100 percent so so for me I, I'm probably I'm very similar to what you're saying but I'm also I, I'm tired of chasing the same 15 bottles that every other asshole's out here chasing, right? Like, everybody wants Weller, everybody wants Pappy, everybody wants Blends. I'm done with that. Like, I, I've i got it. It's on the bar. If, if, if it goes empty tomorrow, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it because there's a lot of fantastic whiskey and bourbon out there that other distilleries are making. You know, Turner, We I just saw him this past weekend. We were at Starlight for the Ambriana cask release and it shit's delicious it's it's absolutely thunder okay but when i sit back and and like you said i need variety in my life right you know um i've been married 20 something years so i have to have variety somewhere else in my life because i get (laughs) none at home just kidding but all all kidding aside for real like you want to have some variety right so like when i trace when i taste armagnac like i get something different when i get cognac i get something different and then when i get rum like it reminds me of bourbon infused with something else like you get those sweet notes that you get from the corn with the sugar or the molasses however that however that rum is made you get some baking spices you know it's but it's different baking spices instead of it maybe being nutmeg you're getting maybe like cardamom or you're getting something like cinnamon different things to that nature so for me it adds variety to what i'm getting for for a palate you know plus you can then take these things just like you do with your bourbon and you can make a fantastic cocktail with them you know and rum especially there's so many other things that you can do with rum and a cocktail that you just don't want to do with bourbon um so i i think that's the main reason why i love and the opportunity to be able to drink great rum and the good thing is too is with rum where the rum is made makes a massive difference in the taste. Like, I, I don't know why it's that way, but Jamaican rum tastes different than the Guadalupe's. The Guadalupe tastes different than Barbados. The El Salvador tastes different than all those. And to me, I, I think that's what is really intriguing to me is that you get a different taste from every single region when you get it. So we wanted to pursue sourcing and we wanted to go straight to the Caribbean because because my family had been in the American whiskey production for for over 200 years. And when my partner, Jordan Morris, who didn't want to show up today, and I wanted to go after a new product concept. Boo, Jordan, boo. And boo, Matt. <laughs> boo, Matt. Boo, yeah. Matt. What a loser. Unbelievable. <laughs> we, I'm trying to think of the best way to state this politely, but there's no American rum producer, especially if you are cutting your distillation of rum with white sugar, which is just bleached, meaning that it has no flavor to it. There's no American rum producer that can match the 200 plus years of institutional knowledge that the fine folks in Jamaica or Barbados or Guadalupe have in terms of their experience with rum production. Did I say Guadalupe wrong? It's Guadalupe. No, I, 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 you know, honestly, I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> so I All think right. you and I... And so we're like, why are we going to try and match what someone can do, has been doing generationally, which is 
we built this off of your familial and generational experience. So why don't we just appreciate what they do and acknowledge that they do something better than us? And our added advantage to the American consumer is that rum in a broad sense, it's multi-jurisdictional. So it, there's no, there's no defining quality of rum. Now, now Jamaica does have distinctions that make it produced a very particular way, just like an American bourbon is. Um, but there's not many places that have that requirements. And so the reason that rum is in, in the vision of Captain Morgan or quote unquote Sailor Jerry is economic incentive. It has nothing to do with someone not caring about how rum is produced. It's, it's, it's making the lowest cost product at the cheapest price point and then mass marketing it for hangover cocktails where that's not how you all as American whiskey consumers consume your whiskey. You want a older age, finely crafted product that has years of experience and and years of built-in institutional knowledge gone into how it's made to be represented into the product and the bottle that you pour out of that bottle. And you want to give that to your consumers, whether it's an Armagnac, whether it's um, you know, a single malt scotch, whether it's an Irish whiskey or an American whiskey or Japanese. And we just want to follow that adage. Like, do you guys remember the day that Elijah Craig changed the bottle type and dropped the 12 year? And I mean, this was like 2014 or to, something. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like just the whole market changed it. You know, the demand was so outpacing production for Elijah Craig that they had to do that. And we always thought we could fill a small niche when those types of things happen. And you're going to see that happen more and more. So that's why we can fill a small gap where we can give you 12 and 13 year old products that are single barrel, you know, non-chill filtered that have single country of origin. And that's what you're, you all are trying right now, which is our 12 year old, uh, Jamaican single barrel from Worthy Park. I can't put that on a label. And it's it's as unique, it's as distinct, and it's as interesting as what the folks at Heaven Hill have been doing with their brands for the past 200 years. Yeah, this is really unique. Um, it's my favorite. Is it your favorite? <laughs> give me all the Jamaican you can give me. So I, I, I like the bite that it has. It does. It remi- this actually reminds me more of a rum than it does a bourbon because of the bite that it has. Um, but I'm not too sure that I don't prefer um, Barbados or, or the Guadalupe, you know, it, out of the three that we're trying. Um, but this is delicious. It, but it does have a bite. The thing that I like the most about it is the mid palate. The mid palate is just delicious. It's just a sugar bomb. It's like toasted, like brown sugar and caramel and like all those good things that you just love in a sugar bomb when you get a, a good bourbon or something of that nature. It's definitely got that funkiness to it, especially on the finish. What, what would you describe that as? Like... Like it's it's almost like like overly ripe bananas or banana nut bed, bread or like a, like a just a an overly rich dessert mm-hmm. that just spicy. It's yeah yeah. I was gonna say like flan or something like that, like something yeah like a dessert type thing. This is definitely not where you want to start out in your rum journey. No, absolutely not. This well, is like um, equivalent to like a lagavulin to me, you know. But 
if you grow to love that and you take the right course to get there, it's, 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 it's wild and weird, but nothing will replace that flavor profile. No. So when we, we, you know, we've been, we launched our first brand in 2018 and that brand was called Fortuitous Union and we'll get to that. And then we went on to make a cocktail product in 2019, which was a, a horrible disaster. What a bad decision. And from that, from that failure, Jordan and I were like, let's go after single barrels and let's, let's focus on that product category because that's what the American consumer wants in terms of its American whiskey or American single malts or American bourbon. That's what, that's what the market's chasing. And we've divided our camp of consumers into two categories. Are you a Weller drinker or are you a wild turkey drinker? Now, whether you're a Weller or a wild turkey or both, the Jamaican rum's a hard one to start with because it's it's so impactful. It has such an intense flavor profile that, and it's, I mean, it's intense. Like it is, I mean, it's a high proof. It's got a high burn and it's just not necessarily a starter. But going back to that split camp, if you're a Weller drinker, we source a lot of products from, uh, from Foursquare Distillery in Barbados. Foursquare does a pot column blend where it's much more across the board approachable. Worthy, well, Worthy Park or, well, the Jamaican rum that we source, it's all dunder pit or they don't do a dunder pit. They do a long fermentation cycle with double pot. And that just adds to the more more fossil fuels, more of the, what we call the esters, the the things that give rum its flavor. And it's much more pungent and funky. It's it's much more esoteric. It has a broader taste profile than the Foursquare. And because of those things, it's almost like a really nice wild turkey where you have to really love wild turkey to get it and want to drink it versus Weller based on you know, its weeded nature tends to appeal to a broader audience. Is that wrong or is that right? No, I think you're right. And <clears throat> this is one thing I wanted to bring up. I, I love what y'all are doing because you're educating um, people that are new to rum or only know the rum that's on the shelf, the rum that they've encountered on their vacations, you know, the rum that they buy for a certain holiday to make pina coladas. There, there's a lot of education that has to happen. And, and you don't start with the Jamaicans. You know, you start with something like uh, the Foursquare, which... I talk to people all the time in here, you know, this is where you need to start. It's in most stores. You can find it. They do a great job with it. It is great rum. It is a great starting point. And we, and that's how you want people on their journey. They, you want to get them into something they're going to like, and then you make those steps. You don't start out drinking Laphroaig, you know, maybe McAllen 18. Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) So, I mean, you got to start somewhere. You don't start out drinking, you know, four roses or, uh, or what rare breed wild turkey or whatever it is stag i mean whatever you you gotta you gotta start um uh, so i think that you guys are doing a great job with the education portion of it the variety of um the different distilleries from the different countries um you're doing you know like the el salvador the small batch blend uh i, I just think it's it's you know you're to me you're way ahead of the game almost maybe to your detriment Absolutely to, <laughs> Absolutely to our detriment. Absolutely to our detriment. But 
if you hang in there, I think you're going to be handsomely rewarded because I think there is a ton of really quality rum out there. And I'm sure that the industry will also be adapting to the different uh, consumers that they are now uh, gaining. So hopefully I think that there is a path forward here for, for a mainstream rum in America. And I know I, I hear, you know, a lot of the, the, the hardcore rum people out there are like, no, we don't want people knowing about this, but you know, you still have time to, to buy what you want to buy and you know where to buy it too. Well, not only that, but you can find good rum that's out there that's age stated, you know what you're getting and it's not captain morgan it's not you know any of those other ones that like you, jerry sailor whatever other rums that are out there that people think of like these are high quality rum products that you can drink neat and really really enjoy especially as a bourbon drinker because you you can you can taste those different esters and tannins and everything else that comes off that steel now you were mentioning something about that pro that that process so Refresh my memory, or the the listeners may not know, how is rum aged? Obviously, it's got that nice color. Is it old whiskey barrels? Is it old whatever barrels? Is it brand new? So this, uh, you, and Travis and Scott, thank you both for, for mentioning that. Because the first time that we went to, yeah, I, I called Ceviche. And I was like, hey, I want to come in. I got this new four-year-old Jamaican debt. Uh, product that we're used for cocktails i want to come make you a daiquiri they're like you can't come and make us a daiquiri i was like are you busy why they're like we don't have a blender i was like that is exactly why i'm coming down there right now to make you a daiquiri because you all think that a daiquiri is made with a blender and a traditional daiquiri or a hemingway daiquiri is two parts rum one part lime one part simple syrup shaken putting in a chilled coop that's it there's no blending there's no banana there's no float there's nothing exciting about it it's phenomenal but the american consumer not not that they need to care but that's just not on their radar they want strawberry and peach they want strawberry they want strawberry and peach and so <laughs> you know rum is made from it's it's base product is sugar cane and it's it's pressed sugar cane which then is cooked down to molasses which then is shipped to different, uh, different um, Caribbean islands, which then distill the molasses on pot or column stills or both, and they make rum. Now, once that rum is made, it is then watered down to a proof point that they want to entry a barrel with it. And all the barrels are used, um, uh, used bourbon barrels. So the The cyclical nature of the bourbon barrel economy is, let's say Heaven Hill dumps its four-year-old Heaven Hill uh, white label product. Those Heaven Hill barrels get co-packed down and shipped over to Scotland or to Ireland, and they're then reused to age whiskey. And then they're co-packed down again, and they make their full life cycle back to rum, where that they finish their aging in rum. Or sometimes it just gets co-packed down from America. Co-packed meaning that it gets broken down, the staves get completely dismembered from the actual barrel, and it gets shipped off to a different country where it's then repackaged together and then and then it re-ages the product. There are no American oak farms in the Caribbean. There's no they they, they don't plant forests in the Caribbean. So 
The only thing that ages rum in an aged rum is used bourbon barrels. So why don't they go and actually get straight bourbon, the barrel straight from Heaven Hill instead of waiting for the the Irish whiskey or the scotch to get? Some do. So uh, there's a very notable distillery in in Barbados that for years was pulling Jack Daniels barrels. Every time I we import a vintage single barrel from the Caribbean back to the United States, it comes in a Jim Beam or a Jack Daniels barrel every single time. That's crazy. It, it, because those are the two mass most mass-produced products. Now, our advantage is that I'm not in the Caribbean. I can go get barrels tomorrow. And we get barrels from all the you know the five major producers. So I have rums aging in in a rare breed barrel. I have rums aging in a variety of Weller barrels. I have rums aging in a variety of toasted barrels, rye barrels, Heaven Hill rye barrels. And the fun part of my whole journey in this is getting to see how that barrel influences the character and the shape of the rum that's sitting in that barrel. Cause it's, it's, it's phenomenally interesting to pull samples every three months and see the differences. Cause they're, the differences are massive. So when you're getting it, you're getting clear liquid then like in a plastic container or whatever the ship it up here, or you're unbarreling it and then rebarreling it into something else. Yes. So the way that we work, we have a variety of barrels that so we, we import rums from all across the Caribbean. So currently we have in our, portfolio rums from Venezuela, the Dominicas, uh, Guadalupe, Fiji, Barbados, Jamaica, and El Salvador. So right now we have seven different uh, countries of origin that we pull through, and we'll be adding more of those. And we source anywhere from unaged to three-year to four-year to nine and ten-year and then up. Anything that's 10 years plus, we generally do not rebarrel because unless the, unless the pro like we are as much fans of the products that we put into the bottle as can, as the retailers and consumers and you guys that we get to work with. So I'm just as excited as getting an 11 year old single barrel from Jamaica as the next guy. Maybe I'll sit on that for a year. Maybe I'll sit on it for two years. Maybe I'll bottle it right then. But I'm just, I, it's Christmas. It's, it's every every time we bring in a purchase, it is Christmas. It's because it's already good. It's already good. So why fuck with it? And what's one thing across the whole spirits economy is, is I think we can all agree upon, we've, we've watched people ruin products by trying to do too much versus just letting it be itself and, and appreciate it for what it is. It, I, I got a lot of people that ask me a lot of stupid questions. Well, they try to hurry it, right? Yeah, they, they, they try to make something, you know, something that isn't ready. They try to do something else to it to try to make it taste like it's ready, even though it's not ready. Absolutely. Or they think that they can sell it for X amount more by doing something unique. Rum is sweet in nature. I don't see how rum plays well in an Irish whiskey cask or in a single malt cask. People do it that, you know, you get that peated nature and, and there is some unique characters that you can pull from that but i'm not going to dump everything in a lafrog cast just because it says lafrog on it and someone might 
find it interesting because I don't think it plays well with the base product. Right. It, it seems to me that rum is kind of where bourbon was a few years back where they were just finishing things because the whiskey might not have been great, trying to transform it into something else, whereas now, you know, kind of segueing a little bit, we can get back to what you were saying, but I feel like finished whiskey, finished bourbon right now is is, is in a golden era. Fourgate, you know, got a, a Luxco, Lux Row doing their Davies County stuff. I feel like as a, as an industry, they've got it figured out and, and they're just making good whiskey better. Whereas it feels like years ago, you know, it was kind of more taking something that was kind of subpar and trying to turn it into something different. And I think that that, that could be maybe what's happening a little bit there, you know, buying maybe an inferior product or a younger product and, and, and trying to mask some of the imperfections and sell it that way. Maybe I'm wrong. No, you're 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 100 right. Uh, luckily for us, we we handhold every barrel that we bring in, and we handhold every product that we try to produce. So we make we try to make that distinction. And Scott, what I was what I was getting at earlier is, if it's sub 10 years old, we are rebarreling it. So anything that's a three years old means that it was it was base age three years in a barrel before we brought it over. And it will go back into a barrel for however long we want to make it. We've got some some six-year-old Dominicans that we're just starting to release. That that just sounds funny. We've got six-year-old Dominicans. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, Are you Turner? selling rum or children? Like, make up your mind. <laughs> and the, we brought them in at four years old. I forgot about them. I literally forgot that we had them in inventory. And we just re-barreled them in a variety of... Heaven Hill Rye and some double oak barrels that now they've been sitting there in Kentucky for two years. And we just pulled samples March. And I was like, Holy shit, Jordan, like this is good. Like we've, this doesn't like, if we can sell this for about 55 bucks, consumers will be happy. And we picked $55 because I look at new riff mm-hmm. and new riff who I think makes some really phenomenal juice at a younger, you know, four to five year range they have that $60 price point. So I look at the the bourbon, I look at what's happening in bourbon, and then we model our decisions off of that, and we just price it a little bit lower because it's not as sexy. Could you, could you bring in that, that three- to four-year-old product and then put it, in, put it in a brand new, like, double oak, like a, a toasted barrel or a... Kelvin Char number three or a ISC number two or it's all about toasted nowadays. I mean, baby. it's all about fucking toasted. <laughs> but I mean, I'm just kind of curious. Toasted so, everything. Yeah. Hashtag toasted everything. <laughs> Absolutely. Not only that, but like, how would that change the flavor of it? And would it become crazy dark because it's a brand new barrel and you're you you haven't already taken all that caramel and tannins off that char? Or have you done any of that? We have not done any experiments with new oak. So with with so this would be called a first use barrel. So a barrel that has not been touched, it's going into its first life cycle of of holding a spirit. Everything that we do is a second second fill or second use. We don't we've never done anything with new charred American oak. I would love to. Uh, the one thing that we do get from using used barrels is all our barrels are fresh dump. So they are all filled within a month of their their dump date and therefore there's a little bit of american whiskey still in there and 
because of the oak has already absorbed so many of the because the oak in the alcohol has already created some of that unique caramel profile that makes American bourbon so tasty our rums get to gain some of that and honestly you will see a lot of the body in some of the our younger and middle-aged rums you'll see that body increase that middle palate that buttery rich middle palate when you taste when you taste a unicorn or you taste a single barrel of bourbon that you find that you just love, 90 times that I that I fall in love with something, it's because it has a really buttery, rich, robust, caramelly middle palate that just hits me, that just punches me right in the stomach because it's not flat. It changes from, from the first time that it t- touches the tip of your tongue through to the finish and it's just like this nice warm hug that you get. And that's, I do think that's, that can be hard to find in any spirit that you go after to, to try and find. I want to replicate that and use bourbon barrels. Give us the best shot at that. That being said, we would like to venture into new American Oak. I think I don't like, I'm wondering if I could use a new American Oak barrel five times in a three-year period and the effect that it would have on each different batch. I bet, because, you, I bet you could. Yeah. Probably a lot. And I think you guys need to do that. I, I think that. And then I also, like, for me, I'm one of those people that, like, I want to take a great idea and see if I can't make it just a little greater. You know, mm-hmm. like, well, that that's kind of my whole concept in life. Like, when somebody says, hey, let's do blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's a great idea. What if we did that and then we did this and this with it? And they're like, oh, that's crazy. I'm like, yeah, I know. Let's just get crazy, right? You know, like I'm sitting back here and I'm, when I drank that, uh, the Jamaican, I was sitting there and I was like, this is really good, but it could use a little bit of sweetness, you know, because it it does have that Lafrogi. Are you thinking toasted finish? I'm thinking either toasted finish or. You couldn't put that in a new. Call me completely crazy, dude. What, What if you finished it in a brandy barrel? Boom. I love it. I, love I am it all on bo- yeah. like, Popper and Kings. Let's get yeah, this like shit a, going. Like a pear or an apple brandy barrel. Oh yeah. my God. I bet that would be thunder. I we mean, need it to would get just... this together and then we can give it to Peerless to finish some of their rye in it and it'll be amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I, so that's me. Like, I, I'm, I'm one of those dudes that are like, what do you do and, 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 and how do you tweak it and what does it make sense? And, and listen, it, it is what it is, but you know. So let's go back to the to the middle one here. This is the Guadalupe, right? Am I am I right, or is, or is that the? Real quick, I don't know if you know this. You can you could. I'm not sure at this this date and time, but you can go to Four Roses and buy freshly dumped barrels. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Just do that. We got some. <laughs> okay, we perfect. got some. All right. He's like, like he like knows everything. I, I, what am I doing here? <laughs> Can't tell Turner anything. Man. He's a smart I'm guy. sitting here like enthralled by this. Like I'm. I just. I love the knowledge. This is great. So. 22 year Guadalupe Guadalupe yep Guadalupe there's a funny backstory to the there's a funny backstory to this whole process that is the middle one right yeah okay I want to make sure I got this yeah. right so this so I, is so this is before hilarious. you get going too crazy I love the nose on this thing oh it's beautiful it's just so it's complex. very subtle but it is definitely very complex yeah I mean I, I I can't picture it out like it it's my favorite of the noses of the three but so going back to why why do rum and when you look at the the american marketplace for for vintage spirits i'll i i feel bad 
that we have a product on the market out there that sells for $305 with, with tax. But in the same sense, I look around and I look at my competitor sets and it's a steal because it's very hard to find a 22-year-old product out there that's, that's single cask, single vintage, that isn't, isn't north of $700 to $1,000. And the reason that we wanted to go after rum is because we thought we could not offer anyone anything different if we did, if we tackled bourbon. We'd be sourcing from the same source. You would have a Barden product of ours out there by now. Then we'd be getting into the new Jim Beam batches that are kind of out there on the brokered market a little bit. So I'd be selling you the same shit that everybody else is selling you. Yet, I can say that I'm the first person to ever bring in a 22-year-old vintage cask from Guadalupe from the Bellevue Distillery. It's never been brought into the United States before. And this particular batch is sold out of the Lincoln Rolled uh, Package Liquor Store um, in Hattie, Mississippi. It's Hattiesburg. Shout out Jamie Ferris. Absolutely. Those dudes are... Those Miss dudes, you, man. Phenomenal job down there. And this guy... It sits at it sits at a it sits at a hundred it says fifty five point three ABV so that's a hundred ten point six proof. It tastes like this thing sat on the bottom rick of a rick house for for eighteen of its twenty two years. Like it's musky, it's rich, it's salty. It it's it fruity. It's fruity. It yes. doesn't have a lot it's of very bite. Fruity. Yeah, mango, a yeah. Little, little bit of... Blue, uh, like blueberry or something. Yeah, I was, was going to say some kind of stone fruit, but blueberry, I get that too. I got to start using stone fruit. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> what stone? <laughs> What's a stone fruit? You don't know what a stone fruit is for real? So stone <laughs> is fruit is... Is that an actual stone fruit? Well, no, no. A stone fruit is anything with a large pit. So it would be like a peach or oh, a, a plum okay. or... You, so that's what I'm getting on this thing. I'm getting a nectarine, apricot. Right. Like I'm getting some of that. Like you know, and a mango would be obviously. I, I kind of feel the mango too. Like on, yeah. it's like lingering, very tropical fruit. Yeah. So that's what I'm getting when I drink this thing. So. So word on the street is the the distiller when they were getting this going in the Bellevue Distillery. Did they forget about this barrel? Like, how, why do they have twenty two year old juice sitting around there, dude? So the so Bellevue is so Guadeloupe is. Um, uh, it's not even a French colony. Like I think it's just part of France. So they it, right. it falls under the French, French jurisdiction. Yeah. Gotcha. So they got French roads. They got the French schools. Like if you go there, you're speaking French. And this guy did a couple contract runs in the late nineties to build capital, which is how a lot of distilleries start is you, you contract source contracts. you, Take on clients and you just do bulk rum so that you're not just you're not just distilling product and then waiting years to then sell product to then create cash flow. You gotta create immediate cash flow somehow. So he did a bunch of molasses contract runs and sold them off into the brokered market. And twenty-two years later, twenty-one years later, we happen to be one of the fortunate individuals to see one of these pop up on the brokered market. And now the Bellevue distillery is all agricole. So you cannot get this again. You cannot, mm. any, if you went to try and buy an older vintage Bellevue product, it would taste, taste much more vegetal. It would taste much more earthy, which is how, how they make an agricole style rum versus this is a molasses distilled rum. 
So when you say agricole, you're going to have to explain that to the listeners because I guarantee you they don't know the difference between molasses. And- so when you press, so you get this cane stock and then you put it through a press and you squeeze out all the fresh cane juice, which then becomes sugar. Well, that cane juice is only good for 24 hours. So you either need to cook it down to make sugar and molasses or you need to ferment it right there and then that becomes a fermentable product. An agricole style run or an agricole style rum is a rum made with fresh squeezed cane juice. And non-agricole a non-agricole style rum is a rum made from molasses. That's the difference. If you, someone tells you they made an agricole rum in the United States, the two questions you ask them are, did you press the, the cane sugar there on site? And did you ferment it within 24 hours? If they cannot say yes to those two questions, they've lied to you. And there are people that will sell you fake agricole rum on the brokered market and in bottles. But this dude, Bellevue, does agricole. To build his cash flows, he started off molasses. This is one of the last molasses runs that's out there on the open market. That's awesome. I, I, I feel privileged to sit here with this single cask. <clears throat> I always like to kind of, you know, step back and realize what we're actually doing, drinking this single cask that was aged in, in that barrel that made it into a bottle and we get to sit here with the limited, you know, liquid that came out of that to, to sit here and, and drink it and enjoy something that unique and, and limited and special. Uh, it, it's really cool. And I, I think that's a big part of, you know, not only bourbon, Armagnac, but rum as well. These, these, these single casks that we can all participate in and uh, it's really high quality stuff and, it, and it's great to be sitting here and, and, and drinking this with you guys and talking about it. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> like you said, with uh, these single casks, that's where I've kind of gone, just in general. Like for me, a, a store pick, a single barrel, you know, outside of a, a, a very select few of, you know, small batch bourbons that, that I'll drink on a, on, a, on occasion, I've, I've almost completely went to total single barrel snobs level <laughs> where I'm going out and trying to find bottles that are barrel strength, single barrel, and, and trying to enjoy those as much as possible. You're not out trying to find Blanton's every day? No, not anymore. Just my man, my man. So what was funny is so we try to do a couple buys a year of single casks. And so we put this order in for for some single casks. And I'm I'm a hundred percent I'm completely unaware. But my partner Jordan is living on the West Coast. And these Guadalupe and this twenty two year old Barbados are not on our order. So we get an invoice back that has like fifty thousand dollars more than what Jordan and I talked about. And I call my partner. I'm like, dude, we don't, what the, what the fuck? Like what just happened? He's like, what do you mean? What just happened? I was like, you have two casks of from Guadalupe that are 22 years old. And you have two casks from Barbados that are 22 year old. And I don't have any of the samples here. And I have all the other samples. Cause they all come to me. Cause I own the entity and this is where the, the business address is and what the fuck? He's like, I totally forgot to tell you. <laughs> I totally forgot to tell you about $50,000. <laughs> my bad, my bad, bro, my bad. Our average spend 
for the past couple of years on building this, our average spend when we buy a couple single barrels, like we might buy three or four barrels at a time. We're not spending more than $18,000. Right. I have four casks on a sheet of paper for a, for a net net expense of over 50 K. And he's like, yeah, I, you know, that I, I forgot to tell you the samples came to me. I asked if they had any, any 1998 vintage Guadalupe that was molasses run. I, I didn't cue you in and I drank all the samples and we are buying this. <laughs> Hi, Jordan. <laughs> Thanks partner. <laughs> I was he's, like, he's vindicated, so it's hard to get too mad at him. And I was like, and I don't get to try it? He's like, no, man, I drank it all. I was like, well, if, if you like it, fuck it, we'll do it. Like, it's the one thing we can do. There's only two layers of decision. It's me and you, and neither one of us are really that smart, so let's roll. <laughs> man, this I, Barbados, though, is so damn good. It is so good. I mean, the Guadalupe is good. Is that number three? That's number three. But this Barbados is I lit. do love the relationship that you guys have, and and I love what it becomes in the bottle and i think you guys make great decisions whether it's you know by accident or one of you or the other or whatever but it seems to work whatever it is because you're literally putting lightning in a bottle so thank you for that yes it is light it is it is you know the the just in just in time deliverable it's lightning there's the, even for two people, there's an immense amount of miscommunication, but somehow we still get the job done. I, I mean, the last week, Jordan thought we had like $46,000 to spend on things. I was like, Jordan, you've had access to our bank account since we've opened it because you're one of the co-signers. We literally have $900 in the bank right now. <laughs> <laughs> All these things that you just emailed me about, we're just not doing it. We don't have any money now. You guys, you guys need some investors. I, I mean, we, I mean, receivables we have coming in, but it, like there's that dichotomy of you know, it's personality. Like there's, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, I could write a, I could teach a seminar on the do's and don'ts of starting a business. Don't go into liquor on a shoestring budget. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say that's that that is the most fair. valuable thing and i can't remember the guy's name from boone county he said it's really good to have a rich friend if you're getting into any kind of distilled yes. spirits <laughs> yeah so uh, i definitely I, I feel your pain there even though i'm not in business with you guys i i feel the pain just because I, I hear all the people that that go in on that shoestring budget and just it's hard it's hard to grind grind your way through it so i appreciate the fact that you're grinding your way through it well you 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 got to make a lot of decisions that have to be focused. And are you focused on operations or sales? I mean, you and I, you guys and I have seen brands start and die since we've been around. And it's, and it's just, you know, I've seen people go heavy on operations because that's their operational background. And if you go into operations, you have no sustainable cash flow to, to float you through the times that you're figuring yourself out and you're growing a brand identity and you're getting some customer appreciation and, and it takes a lot for a retail store to trust you and they should they should they should take a lot of time to figure out whether or not they need to carry your product i remember when we launched in 2018 the question that we got most is is where are your other SKUs and what else are you doing and in that time, I'm like, I have no idea. And we have no other SKUs. 
And what they're asking you is, do I have to go through all the effort to put you in the system to pick a case up from you and then find out that you don't exist anymore? Or are you going to be a potential long-term partner where if I see you put some buy-in and I put some buy-in and I do go through all the effort of training my staff, giving my staff samples out of the products that I buy from you, you know, putting you in a tasting bar, yada, yada, yada. Like that, and I get it. Like those are all things that if I was a store, I would validate the shit out of you. But I didn't know that when I walked into this. Right. Hmm. Well, I will say this was a thought I was just having. I mean, look at the stores that have bought barrels from you guys slash bars and restaurants. I'm looking directly at a silver dollar label. Um, we were just talking about Lincoln Road in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Um, who else? Gordon's uh, in the Northeast. Um, who else? I think these are some of the more reputable establishments as far as, you know, whiskey and spirit consumption in, in the country. So Absolutely. I think He's not going any slacker spaces. No, I think that that, that, that speaking volumes, um, I'm sure what Aster and K&L are in the mix. I mean, you know, the, the writing's on the wall here, folks. I mean, th- this is this is happening. You know, you can get on board or not. It's up to you. But, I mean, this is happening. The, the people that know what's going on are, are in on this. So what I will say is we are at this, and I, I talked to some of our, our retailers about this. We are at this unique time where hopefully we can all look back and say, man, I can't believe we were drinking single barrels of Foursquare or single barrels of Worthy Park or, or 22-year-old single barrels of Barbados or Guadalupe rum for X price. Like it, this was, it's a unique time for us. <clears throat> now, you're not going to see our prices go skyrocket, but we're an independent bottler. So there's no guarantee what we're going to put out on the shelf and what we can get next. We're working on some guarantees. I think we're ahead of some other people, but it's, it's a unique time where if you're in the note, rum has a very passionate, loyal following. It's very small. Bourbon has a very passionate, loyal following base, but it is broad as shit. And mm-hmm. it can go a lot of directions. And it's fanatical. It's fanatical. Luckily, we don't have to deal with that yet. I don't know. Sometimes I, I would love the fanatical morons to go out and <laughs> spend money on stuff just to spend money. <laughs> oh, they do. Trust me. I see it every day. I mean... There's, there's plenty of good options out there that the, the masses don't go after. No, I get it 100%. Uh-huh. I see, like, like I said, I, I find all kinds of really good stuff that's out there that people are like, well, I'm not drinking that. It's not so-and-so, and it's not so-and-so. And I'm like, you're missing out, buddy. It's not Man, my fault. Man, it should be, all of this should be easy. People make it so complicated. They make it difficult. They get butt hurt. Like, tell people how to drink their spirit, not just whiskey. This isn't just a whiskey thing, but... Man, it's easy. Why we have to make it so difficult? Like, let's find good people, find good spirits, and drink it. You don't, you don't have. There's no rules. Doesn't matter what you do with it. Like, just everybody needs to just kind of relax a little bit, you know, and just enjoy it. This, this is what it meant to be. This is what it's meant to be. We all are in a great spot that we're able to nitpick all these whiskeys and buy all this stuff. Like, our lives are good. Why, why we gotta like get negative and and fuss and fight about stuff like. It's good. It's good whiskey or good rum. Let's just drink it and have fun. Right. So what? So Travis, what do you think are a couple undervalued products that you have in your store right now that you try to direct your audience to, but they all go to the same spots. But but what is what is some stuff that you're recommending these days? 
Yeah, for me, it's kind of the, you know, the either the... It does the, not have to be rum. We're not... No, 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 no. This is a bourbon answer for sure, I think is what you're getting at. Um, for me, it's 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 either the, the lower valued products, Evan Williams bottled in bond, old granddad bottled in bond, you know, basically anything bottled in bond. But for me, it's the mid-size guys, New Riff, um, Wilderness Trail, Peerless, you know, I love Peerless. The price isn't the best, but I think you get a really high quality product. Their rise right now, their single barrel rise are amazing. Um, so that, that's kind of where I'm at. Um, you know, kind of the mid-sized guys. I think a lot of people still are overlooking Wild Turkey and Four Roses. That blows my mind. And I see it every day. At, you know, I, I don't think there's very many people in this country that see the consumer base the way that we do here every day. You know, there's the stores, as we were talking about, that see it as well in, in, in the U.S., but we just see it every day, and, and they're just overlooking some amazing things on the shelf from, from producers that have been around for a long time. They Scott, just, let, me, let me interject, and then I'll throw it to you. So Friday night, I do a blind tasting with some guys in my neighborhood. About four months back, about five, you know, Four Roses, you did their yeast strain release, but at that at the at the bonded at the bonded level at the fifty percent alcohol and you know they sold it at a value price of forty five thirty five to forty five dollars and people were trashing it because it wasn't a single barrel you know cast strength or barrel proof I was I bought four or five or six bottles because I remember when Four Roses did this in two thousand twelve and they were selling their their you know, the OESO or OESK or whatever it was for at, at, at bonded proof for 45 bucks. And I was like, I can afford that. And I love what they're doing. Let's do that. Everybody shits on these products. We're texting about them for months. Everybody trashes them. I put them in a, at a blind tasting Friday night and it fucking wins. And I pull the bottle out and I'm like, in all your faces, I've got all your texts. I got all your messages. <laughs> from when you thought this was stupid at $35 at Kroger, yet it's your favorite one because you don't know that that, that is a solid value. And now you can sip it neat or put it into a cocktail and it kills it. Yep. Yep. 100%. Um, <clears throat> kind of to piggyback with that, like for me, it's it, I'm like Travis. I, I like, you know, the, the middle level guys, the guys that are doing things. But also, like I'm one of those people that, I don't think bourbon has to be made in Kentucky to be great. Agreed. I've been all over, you know, the Midwest now, especially like parts of Indiana and Illinois and Ohio and Tennessee, Tennessee and, and, and other Fight places me on that. Yeah. Dude, Dickel's great. <laughs> I, and I do Jack Daniel single barrel rye. Delicious. I mean, absolutely delicious. Um, now they, I will they say make bourbon. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say this, um, I will say my palate is starting to drift more towards rye. I mean, like I, I've, I've almost, I guess I've maybe killed it for bourbon. Like I still like bourbon. I still drink it, but like more and more I'm, I'm buying rye whenever I can find them, you know? And, and, and I'm talking like the West Fork whiskeys. Probably some people haven't even heard of that place, you know? Mm. Um, you know, Blonde Brothers make some delicious stuff, you know? Uh, and, and, and their source stuff's great, right? Everybody loves the old fangled nodder and, and things like that. But the other stuff, they're making really good stuff, you know? 
So you got to go find those places. You know, like I said, and Turner and I were talking you know, when, when we were both at Starlight last week for, you know, one of the release things. Starlight's making fantastic bourbon and rye, you know. So I tell people all the time, you know, don't sleep on stuff just because it's not made. It, just because it's not MGP and it's not made in the state of Kentucky, there's delicious juice out there. Right. I think people need to kind of stop label chasing and listening wholeheartedly to the media. Um, get out there, go to facilities that allow you to taste things, taste bottle shares, blind taste, very important. Um, that's one of our favorite things is here at the shop, you know, we, we have our bar. We just want you to taste things. Open mind, come in, taste something. So many people walk in, I don't like rye, or women walk in, I don't like bourbon. All right, well, let's take the time and explain to them how to drink it, what they should be getting out of it, and almost always they're going to walk out appreciating rye or bourbon, depending on you know what the what the question is or what the doubt is. So I, th- I think people just need to have more of an open mind. It's not just, oh, I don't like rye. Well, let me taste you on Old Forester 100 Proof Rye, and almost always they like it. I'm like, yeah, you like rye whiskey, you just don't realize it. Right. So I think... There's a lot of that people are told what they're supposed to like and and they need to be willing to say, that's fair, that stuff's probably great, it's probably really good, but I also want to try this other thing over here and that's what we're here for and that's what you're here for and Turner does it as well. Scott does it with this podcast, but Turner, you do it as well. You tell people, hey, this stuff's really good and everybody wants it, but what about this over here? So don't be afraid to try new things and, and listen to people that really know what they're doing, that are offering you these awesome things from these smaller distilleries that are really making great whiskey because there's a lot of them in this country. They're making some awesome, awesome whiskey. We just don't know about it. Yeah, I, I don't know what you, whatever you just told me about, that rye. I don't know about it. Right. So, I mean, and that's the thing. You really just got to get out and try it. I mean, you know, um, West Fork, they've got one that's called Rider's Block. It's 80 proof. It's a... Uh, it's really, really solid. Um, it's it's two and a half year old rye, but it's good. It's delicious. It, it's a perfectly good pour. You know, when I brought in the 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 bear wallow, the that was the, awesome. The, that single barrel rye. It was five years old, but it was delicious. I mean, it was some yeah. of the darkest juice I've seen in forever. I mean, so there's lots of great products that are out there. You just got to go look for them, and and that's how, that's why I think this podcast was so important. Is that it's not just bourbon either. You need to go out and you need to sample other things. And there's a lot of great rums. There's a lot of great other bottles that are out there. Um, like I said, you know, venture out, try something new. You know, I, I'm going to tell you, if you want a high quality rum, you want to see Turner's brand. You want to see Rolling Fork Spirits. And I'm not blowing smoke. It, it's a good product, you know. I don't know what he just poured in here. I'm going to try it. What you, you sound like you're wrapping up. I'm not sure we're ready to go. No, I'm, I'm just saying. I mean, I, that's my opinion. Like, I... I I think that there's lots of things ready right. that are out there that, that are just really, really good things that you haven't right. seen. You're absolutely right. No, but I mean, t- to me, it's kind of like, I-, I remember when I got into bourbon, you know, 2012, whatever it was, you know, y- you hear about Willet, and then it was always for years and still now the I see the mainstream has caught on to that. And I'm like, y'all are way, 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 way too late for that. So... I feel like, you know, you see the Leyen Cantatas, the Armagnacs. I feel this is the same to me for rum. Um, I don't know if it's just because I know these guys personally, Turner and Jordan, um, but I feel like that's the equivalent to me. I feel like 
this is stuff like Turner was saying, we're going to look back on this and be like, holy shit, we were buying this for that price. So this is why I'm, I'm just taking advantage of something good. I have had, while we can, I've had plenty of really good friends, you know, that have said, Hey, this is really good rum. You need to try this. And now I'm, I'm on my own and I try things and I'm just buying it as I can, you know, cause I, I just think that the options are going to be more limited as the future goes on. So why would I not, if I have the means, buy this stuff while I can now? Because I think it's amazing. Well, for me, it's because I only have so much shelf space. My wife's starting to get mad because the shit's oh, starting yeah. to lay in boxes on the floor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think I think for us, you know... If so what did you, you just pour? Sorry, not to interrupt you. Okay, so we'll we'll get into this into a second, but we are now we sampling the, the the last one. I already drank it. I already talked about it. The Barbados is, the is delicious. Square, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the say that? the the yes. It's was the that the Barbados one you just poured? Rum? Or no, is that the one? Oh, that no, the twenty two year old. Yeah, the twenty two year old Barbados Thunder. is the first ever single cask of vintage twenty two year old Foursquare that was ever brought into the United States. And we, I say that because. And I won't get into this, but but Europe has a much stronger rum following than the U.S. Is that because of like Spain and Italy and places like that, or Bingo. Portugal? Okay, and and their relationship with with the colonies and and you know how the world has worked over the past five hundred years. But I yes. was just saying because I I didn't see it in Switzerland, and you don't nope. see it like in Germany or places like that. So I assumed it had to be more that you know Mediterranean you, uh, area. You you know. D- some places in Germany, Amsterdam, Amsterdam has a big, some big rum, rum cults, but yes, more Spain, more anywhere coastal, any, I mean, anywhere coastal, it just fits. So this, I mean, again, I've had people ask me how to sell this. It's like, it's never been brought into the United States before. Like this is, this is, we are doing something that's one of a kind. Not because we intended to, but because we were lucky enough to be a part of the ecosystem that brought it here. But it happens to have our lost cast label on it, and it's it's one of a kind. We we're probably never going to get this vintage age cask again. But this is the first time it's ever hit U.S. shores that in a cask form, not just in a bottle. And it's special. It's this is something special. to be very proud of. Absolutely. I hope you guys are because it's easy to get lost in it when you're doing it. But, you know, just from afar, I think it's very special. Whether it pans out the way you might think or not, you know, this is this is awesome that you're doing it because there's people like Scott and myself and who people that are listening who will now go out and try some good rum or people I know that buy this on the regular that are getting to experience that. And it's about having these bottles and the experiences that it brings, you know, that's all just because you decided to do it. Whether you become rich off it or whatever, you know, that's another story, but you're creating experiences for people here that don't, this, this, this is stuff they'll remember forever. For me, I'm, I mean, I'm creating, I mean, I, you're, and I appreciate that and and you're right. Uh, But these are also experiences that we get to share with people because we're just as excited about this, endeavor that we're on as the products that, that as as the as what comes out in the bottle form and you know, going back to travis and scott what you all were talking about in considering like the validating qualities that you kind of see it's hard for bourbon to keep up with but i can put age statements on bottles 
and I can put the bottle count and I can put the proof and I don't have to be misleading because rum, the economics of rum is intentionally misleading for a mitre of reasons that we won't go into today. But the traditional economics of bourbon and following the bonded movement of you know, 1896 and, and in 1898 and what happened there was we have to be intentional and be clear to our consumers. It was the first American protection, American Consumer Protection Act that ever was created. Yep. I mean, bourbon has created our tax system. It has created the American Consumer Protection Agency. It's also created the sales tax. Like it's, you know, out of, out of prohibition came the 6% sales tax. Not a lot of people know that, but bourbon has so influenced the American economy and we validate that and appreciate that. So we will, every time we can, we will put an age on the bottle. We don't want you to chase a bottle over branding. I mean, we're not, we're rum. We're not going to be that we're, it's going to take a long fucking time for that to ever happen, but you will always find an age statement. You will always find identifiers that let you look at three specific categories. What's it proof? Does it say water was added after it went into the bottle? Once it went to bottling and what was its age and where was it made? And if you like those four things that are put on the label, we guarantee you, you will like what's inside the bottle. Transparency, I think, is all that consumers can ask for nowadays. I think that was a, a, a huge movement in bourbon over the last few years. There was a lack of that for a long time. And I think just tell me it's made in Indiana. That's fine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just tell me, just tell me everything about it. Give me a good price point. Give me a good product. And, and I'm going to buy it. And you know right. what? If you put that it's made at MGP or the old St- Seagram's Distillery... I'll fucking pay more. <laughs> it's okay. Right. Indiana, like Scott, to your point, like yeah. if I look at Stumpy's, if I look at French Lick, if I look at, you know, if I look at Old 51, if I look at... Old 55. Old 55, sorry. Yeah. Old That's 55. If I look at Starlight, like I like the trajectory that all those places are on and I'm excited to see them grow because... The individuals behind those brands are very are just as passionate as us three sitting around bullshitting about the products that we love to drink. And they're good people. Yes. And that makes a big difference too. So for me, like, like I love following brands because I feel like the people are good people. Like I, I love going down and, and visiting with Royce and his family because I feel like they're good people. Like I feel like a they, they put together a, a damn fine product. But also, they're good people. Like, I want to spend my money with them because I want to support them. I want to go up and see Ted and Christian and Blake and Dana at Huber's because I think they're putting out a great product, and I think they're great people. I like Jason Fruits. I love Alan Bishop, you know. That's one of the reasons why I love, you know, these these micro distilleries is almost what I call them, even though that they're not really micro. They're, they're making a lot, of, a lot of whiskey, you know. Um, but to me, the people make a difference. And you should you should drive down to Justin's House of Bourbon, whether you're in Lexington or Louisville. And yes, they can show you a museum set of pieces that you probably will never put your hands on, but are phenomenal to view. And they are totally worth the viewership. But they will give you a tasting bar and they will steer you in a direction of what you want to spend. Absolutely. It's all about you, the consumer. You get to dictate 
what is worth your wallet and your time? I love coming in here. I guess it was, I don't know. It was pre-COVID. I will admit that. But when we came in here, I brought a group of friends in here. And you actually weren't working that night. I don't remember who was working. It was another guy. And we sit there and you all did, had like this special Buffalo Trace packet. You know, and all these guys were like, oh, man, I got to try this. And, I gotta, and it was like it was a, a Blanton's straight from the barrel. And then it was like Weller Antique 107 and then Weller Green Label or whatever. And maybe a standard Buffalo Trace. And it was just a flight of four bourbons. You were able to try it. It was completely reasonably, you know, priced. And like we had two or three of them, you know, between the, the, the three of us. And then we tried a couple of other flights and things like that. And they're like, man, this place is so cool. And I'm like, absolutely. Cause you can try anything you want in that atmosphere. So, so my, my pitch to people, like I get why people get mad at us. They, they get mad at the Weller and the Blantons and it's, I understand it. I, I know the sticker shock. I get it, but that's only here because of the vintage spirits law. We have it only because people want it. I'm the first person to, to, to catch you and say, hey, this is here because of this reason, but let me show you all the better options that that I have for regular retail. Let me show you my barrel picks. You know, let, let's grab a drink for five bucks of one of our barrel picks, and then you can come and stand in the in the room of delicious history that we call it, and I'm going to show you stuff from the early 1900s to today. Like, people just... Some people come in with the wrong attitude, and I get it. They're hunting bourbon. You know, they want to get those deals, and, like, I understand that. But if you just come in with the right attitude, you know, we're going to show you a good time. We're going to give you the history. I don't just know the hit, you know, the one distillery that I work for. I, I educate myself in all the distilleries. You know, I've tried all this stuff. I, one of the cool things about my job is I can try any of this stuff. So I, I want, you know, the biggest thing is everybody comes in. What can I get at home? Our first response, that's irrelevant. What do you like? What do you like to drink? I don't want to sell you a bottle you can't get at home that you're going to dislike. So we'll, we'll get to that if we can, but I want to know what do you like to drink because I'm going to put you in a bottle that you like. And sometimes it's something you can get at home, but you never would have bought if I didn't tell you about it and you tasted it at the bar. So it's all about the respect for the spirit of bourbon, the history, and finding something that you will like to further your journey in bourbon. So, like, I get it. It's, people get mad at our Blanton's price, but we ex- we literally explain it to everybody that walks. Sorry, I'm just, this is this is good. me kind no, of venting. Like, go, this is what I go off go, on. Go, go. But, like, yes. you come in here, everybody's looking for Blanton's. Like, I don't get it from the distributor, so I'm, I take advantage of the law and then buy it and resell it. So it is here for you, but I'm the first guy to catch you and be like, that's that's great, but like I have six other options for you that you're gonna like just as much or maybe better. Like, you know, just have an open mind. That was that that's you know full circle on the rum. Like, have an open mind with some of this stuff. There's there are great products out there, you know, from Buffalo Trace, Wild Turkey, Heaven Hill, Four Roses, down to Wilderness Trail, New Riff, down to the you know the the guys in Indiana. You guys were mentioning it's we're not here to take advantage of people. We're here to educate and give you a cool experience. I mean, you know, we, we've been here almost two years now. We were closed for a couple months during COVID, but we're here seven days a week. You fucking opened downtown, during COVID. You, right before COVID. You all, but really you, all, you all fucking opened your doors like January or February. It was and November all, 19, but November basically 19. December. You are banking. <laughs> like your whole... Your whole position is banking on May Derby. Yeah. Because 
it's I mean, oh, everything is derby always. Yeah, from the beginning. And and the derby and got to, canceled. To, to, we twice, twice, twice. <laughs> it got canceled. We had to wait a year and a half to to, to you know I have no idea how much of a relief it was to finally have the derby, and it was one of our slowest weeks that we've ever had. <laughs> 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 but we went through you know, a brief spell of riots, like one night, basically, protests, you know, all that stuff. We were here. We were closed for two months. We were here. We're always here, seven days a week. Nothing else is open on Mondays. We're always open. And we just we just want people to get out of their shell, to quit looking for those same products everybody's looking for. There's so much great whiskey. There's rum. I'm, I'm in here tasting people on the, the small batch rolling fork rum, or we have a, an Armagnac on the shelf. Like we're just about good spirits and good times and, you know, kind of getting out of, you don't have to just look for what everybody else is looking for. So it's funny you mentioned that. So like we, we just recently did a, I don't want to say it was like four or five episode series where it was everyday shelfers. Like bourbons, you can literally find across the coast. I mean, we had JTS Brown bottled in Bond. We had Heaven Hill. We had, you know, Small Batch, this, you know, everything. And then we had a couple of them that were high-end bottles, as you can find everything. Kentucky Alla Confiscated, I think, was on there and things like that. And that was the most well-received. Like, people were sending in, you know, text messages and DMs and emails. Like, dude, thank you so much. Now I know something else that I can go out and try. That's a, and they're like, they're a great product. You know, like one guy was like, he's like, oh my God, JTS Brown bottled in bond is like my new favorite bourbon. And yep. I'm like, I would have never known about it had you not talked about it on the show. And I'm like, that's so funny. Cause it's like literally something that I keep in my house 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Like if I get low, I go buy another one. Cause I love to a drink it if I'm just sipping something. And then B I love making cocktails out of yeah. it. Yeah. I had something very, very passionate and very meaningful to say that I've, I've lost on your tangent <laughs> But I just want to piggyback that, you know, I remember cooking with, I remember cooking a pot roast with Old Granddad Bonded in 2007. And, and I love Old Granddad Bond, not to interrupt you, but one OGD 114 is the love gas. It. I love it. I lo- <laughs> it makes my most favorite old fashioned because once you add the ice and you, you stir it up, the bourbon still pulls through at a very very potent rate so you got to be careful but it's not it's not over encumbering and there's so much out there on the shelf for sub sixty dollars and you know that's why you'll listen to this podcast go to justin's house of bourbon because they're not a clearinghouse for the vintage whiskey act like it they would rather you know, it's there and and if you want to spend that price point and you want to buy blends or something particular you can or if you want to buy you know Austin Nichols wild turkey it, what a crazy story a guy from Texas owns a grocery store named Austin Mick Nichols comes to Kentucky to shoot turkeys and decides to start a di- distillery like it's fucking hilarious like it's, mm-hmm. what a great story like, no one knows that. No, I mean, one of our best-selling bottles is J.W. Dant, just to, off the JTS Brown, and that's just because of Booth. He loves J.W. Dant, but we we found out after we opened that they actually operated out of this space, not this building, not upstairs, right? This space here from, like, 1903 to 1905. So that was our company's best-selling bottle 
we, without even knowing the history. So we love those bottled and bond bottles. You know, chicken cock has since taken its place. We sell the shit out, absolute shit out of that. It's crazy. But, right. you know, we're all about that. I mean, there's so much, like, you like weeded bourbon, Middle West weeded bourbon. You know, you like rye, um, Wilderness Trail rye, barrel picks. That's I, I try to direct everybody I can, buy a barrel pick. Like, why would you not? You can't get this anywhere else. You can't get this at home. Buy that. And here's a, here's a taste, a $5 taste of it. And then you probably will find it at home. It's just going to be a different barrel. It's not going to taste like this one. Right. And we explain that to everybody. So here's a, here's a good story that involves chicken cock and JW Dance. (laughs) Chicken cock. Jesus. What a name. Yeah. It's the best. 1856. My family carried the chicken cock brand through prohibition. And then we reformatted into national distillers and we still carried the brand until it went defunct when I think we tried to sell it off to Jim Beam in the mid eighties. So the Dant family, what is the what Log is Log Stills the new family that they just started out? Yep. It's, it's Log Wally Still. And, yep. Yeah. So And they're my family They're in New Haven, right? Yeah. Um, Isn't that where they opened that New Haven, just right outside of Bardstown? It's right outside of Bardstown. Yeah, it's New Haven. So my family and the dance both worked together to build log stills in the late 17 and early 1800s. And so uh, the my son's named Henry Hudson Wathen, or Henry Miller Wathen. He's named after the first Wathen distiller that founded Rolling Fork in Kentucky uh, called Henry Hudson Wathen. So Henry built a log still out of a poplar log. So he cut the log in half and then he stacked it and hollowed it out and ran copper piping. He worked with the dance to perfect that, that technique. So while we were making our, our crude whiskey out of a log still, so were the dance. So then my, so then Henry's son does a vertical log still where they start to add they instead of hollowing instead of cutting it in half a poplar in half they hollow it out from the inside and they build it your base up and it's hollowed out and it has columns it's a crude column still we all built like the wathens in the dance built the lobs the log still that now the the dant family has named their distillery after Hmm. interesting and they're also related to the beams. A lot of respect for the dance. Yep. Yeah. Tr- trying to get their name back. Yeah. I hope they do get the the JW Dant label back. That would be awesome. I mean, the most interesting thing to me is is what the fuck is MGP going to do now that they're on the Kentucky Bourbon Trail? I mean, with, with are, Yellowstone. Are they really on the Kentucky Bourbon Lux Trail? Row. Yeah. That oh, was Lux a Row. Gen- that yeah, was a genius but, move, in my opinion. Yeah. But they they are, got a lot out of that. They got a bottling line. You, it's it's kind of mind blowing how many brands that uh, Lux Row has. Fuck yeah! It's a stupid amount, and they're great. Yeah, I just went down there for the first time two weeks ago. Dude, John Rempe is blew is, me away. It was really a, really classy dude, and he makes fantastic whiskey. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I haven't tasted any of their whiskey. I've tasted you know the stuff that they've gotten from other people, but have you tasted some of the stuff they're making there? Cause oh, I don't, absolutely. I'm not sure that I have. I have, I've tried it. Yeah. We did a podcast with John and we were able to, you know, sample it's not some in stuff. a bottle yet, right? No, okay. no, no. We were in the Rick there. house. We tried a couple of things, um, you know, but, uh, also the stuff that, that they're sourcing is, it, 
it's a fine quality product. Sure. Yeah. Oh, the Rebel, the Rebel, Rebel cash strength stuff yeah. is phenomenal. Absolutely, oh, 100%. Man. And it's weeded. It's good. It's yeah. delicious. And I don't like that weeded bourbon typically. Yep. Just my personal, but that those I was just down there. We tasted six barrels. Four of them, I was like, I'm in on, on those four like heavily. And yeah, like I look at I look at us. I look at log still in the dance. Like I don't view us as industry disruptors because we're all still trying to figure out our path and and can we can we succeed and can we fend off failure and competition like. I look at MGP and Lux Row as, as industry disruptors. It's like, you guys have all this built-in knowledge from what you did at Seagram's to what you're doing now. Like, you guys can really shake shit up if you want. They can be great for the consumer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's, that's what I see with that. Well, because if you look at the discus data, we're not buying more American-made boots. So we're not we're not going so the the ten percent growth year over year over year over year starting in two thousand ten up to now mainly has to do with the increase of prices and the increase of older age spirits come to market, which now we've seen the switch come backwards because you've seen brands like Elijah Craig have to drop the age statement and whatnot. And so you're if you look at where people are buying from, we didn't just blow the fuck up in Colorado. Like people aren't going out in, you know, Colorado is still a beer state. So in Northern Indiana still Canadian whiskey. You're right. hundred yeah. percent. So, you know, this, I'm, I'm interested to see where the market is in the next three to five years, especially because now we're hitting the precipice of starting that third, third, third shift production. Like we didn't really like the main producers didn't start third shift until 2002, 2005. So there's going to be an over proliferation of bourbon and you don't have more buyers. So the only thing that's going to separate you is quality or marketing because we, we are wine. We chase the fuck out of labels. Mm -hmm. Let's not pretend like we don't like I designed a label for people to chase labels. And it's sexy. It's good. It's awesome. It's it's absolutely gorgeous. It is. It's one of my favorite labels out there. I mean, honestly. I mean, I I, I almost wanted to be like, I want to buy in just so I can I can I can be on the label. <laughs> let me, <laughs> let me label. look at the let me look at the white label that you have for the Lost Cask. Yeah. It yeah. is pretty it is pretty damn clean, I'll be honest. So and, and more simple. While we're all bullshitting, what what you guys are trying now? By the is, way, I, I just wanted—I I want to let everybody know that you all said, "Hey, let's keep this to about forty minutes," and we're entering Joe Rogan status here pretty soon. If we don't, <laughs> we oh we're shit, doing, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're going to conclude. Is it in entertaining 10 or not? I don't oh, know. <laughs> I feel like it's entertaining as shit. I just—I just wanted to let you know that you were the ones uh, that said, was, "Hey, I can know, you all cut me in like fun. forty minutes to forty-five? No. I'm like, yeah, absolutely, we can do that if that's what you want to do. But I'm just telling you, we're well into a, a hour number two, or <laughs> starting into hour number two. So I'm going to end on this promo and say that what we're, what we're trying now is Fortuitous Union Batch 2. So this is the world's first barreled blend of rum and rye whiskey. We dropped Fortuitous Union Batch 1 in 2018. It's an accidental blend of rum and rye whiskey. They were blended together and we ran with it. Batch 2 
We took a blend of a three-year Foursquare, a four-year uh, Jamaican. I can't say well, four-year Worthy Park. I can't put it on label. Five-year Dominican. We just edit that out. And then we blended it with a five-year 95.5 MGP rye, and we rebarreled it for a year. So what you guys are trying is a toasted barrel of the of Fortuitous You've Union been Batch too. <laughs> I literally already show. drank it. I was <laughs> sipping on it. I was like, eh, "This is pretty good stuff." This is this is awesome. What's interesting? So you rebarreled it, huh? Yeah. So now I can say, so now I can say I've brought in the first vintage casks into the U.S. We did the first bottled blend of rum and rye whiskey. Now we've done the first barrel blend of rum and rye whiskey. I don't know how much trademark value that gives us. You're only as valuable as someone wants to buy you. But we we intentionally wanted to re-barrel it. And then Royce accidentally left out two barrels of rye. So the ratio went way more rum to rye. And we fucked it up again. <laughs> so batch two it's is fortuitous. a mistake. We left off two barrels of rye. Instead of a general 60-40 rum to rye blend, now it's an 80-20 rum to rye. I'm going to fire both, all, all of you. All of us. All of you. Shout out to Royce off. for pulling that My G boy Royce. Yeah, he, he knew what he was doing. He, he did that on purpose. He's smart. He's Royce so MSRT. <laughs> Royce is such a fucked up. God love him. <laughs> I fucking love that guy. God, it, this is really you, good, Royce. though. Absolutely, cheers. <laughs> Who I don't. Oh, I, do, I did meet him once. I do love how the 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 rye. The, the, I'm gonna tell a story about Royce here in a minute after we try this. But I do love how the rye just comes through on this. Like you get that spice, and it comes in with that sugary note, and it's it's and it's a fruit forward rye, but it's still spicy. It's got a little bit of like like that mid palate. It's just really really good. It's definitely a, ends up being a pretty equal balance of both. Like I can kind of feel like i'm drinking a rye but i can feel like i'm drinking a rum like i feel like it's a great balance I, this, this blend is uh, ended up being really nice so we've got 12 barrels we've got some sitting in some heaven hill three-year-old rye barrels we've got some sitting in some toasted barrels the toasted not new toasted barrels no not new toasted yeah and that's why I, w- I want to do the new toasted barrel man i, w- I want to do that I, a because i want to get that that deep deep sugar and I also want to get that color. I want to pop yeah. that 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 darkness that comes through on that second toasting. That's what we need: some Barbados and some toasted barrels. Yep. See, this isn't. You guys aren't. You guys aren't. You guys <laughs> don't have bad ideas. Like these are all good ideas. You're just thinking about the financial obligations. I just, I, we'll, just no, give, we'll just give them no. enough money to buy a few like brand new barrels, and then we'll be no. like, hey, we get one of these. We at least have first option to buy them, right? When when they come off the. Can you give me half a Jamaican and half a Barbados in a toasted barrel? I probably can. <laughs> like like like. I don't want to mix Jamaica into it. I'm I'm spending their money now. I love it. <laughs> Bad ideas are asking me to put rum into peat. Like I just like. I, Is it bad? Have you tried that? Because I, I have. It doesn't okay. suck. Right. Like it's not. It's not. It's not bad. Like. I, I couldn't do it because I, I just can't do peat. I can't do scotch. I mean, I try. I've tried. I've tried a hundred billion times. Like when people give me like peaty s- scotch, I'm just like. Bleh. I feel like there's just mixing two good things that maybe make an okay thing. No, no. There's there's no such thing as good peaty scotch. Yes, there is. Absolutely, there is. <laughs> um, I'm disagree. We're gonna agree to disagree, Travis. <laughs> I mean, think them be good just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's not good. I agree. I know. Like <laughs> I won't put my rum in a Zinfandel cask. Cause I don't fucking drink Zinfandel, so I d- like, and maybe I should. Like, maybe we'll get to the point where we can experiment. But that's just me. Like, I'm, 
I'm not going to put it in Merlot or a Zinfandel or the reason why people use dessert wines is because they're relatively pleasant and they're pretty, they're pretty broad so that they're not going to have an overpowering amount of influence. So I will tell you this though, a Tokai barrel, the Hungarian wine. Yeah. I could see that because it's super, super sweet. I don't know. Just, uh, see, now just, you got my wheels turning yeah. again. Stop making me think, man. I, is, I hate thinking. Just put it all in Weller barrels. <laughs> You'll be filthy rich. Literally. <laughs> literally. Yeah, Weller bellers. Can we, I get some Weller? I love that Weller. Y'all got that Weller? You got some of that Weller? You don't even know. You need to get we, yourself some Blanton's barrels. We Blanton's did. and Weller. Oh, my no, God. You'd sell no. everything. No, you don't. <laughs> You'd be no, rich. No, you don't. Because Blanton's... <laughs> we'll get you a horse topper. No. <laughs> Spell out rolling. Oh, my God. Spell out the word oh rolling. <laughs> all right. So, um, so... <laughs> gotta gotta collect have, them all. We have... Pokemon. A, we have a Buffalo Trace... We have a couple Buffalo Trace Mash Bill number two barrels. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I could be wrong, but that is definitely Blanton's Rock Hill Farms. That's Blanton's and Rock Hill Farms. Yep. So, I sold a eight-year-old Foursquare aged in a Buffalo Trace Mash Bill number two to an account, uh, and they wanted the barrel. You can have the fucking barrel. Here it is. Take it. Palletize it up. Send it on its way. It doesn't say blends. Of course not. It's they don't fucking none of them do. None of them do. <laughs> it's, it's, so even when you sell someone a blends barrel and you tell them it's a blends barrel, once they get it, if it doesn't have the blends stamp, if I don't put a goddamn horse on top of it, well, you can't tell the difference. <laughs> I want, we need to make some bungs with horses on them. <laughs> bungs with horses. I need some big ass horses. Just paint a paint a horse on a bung. Because it's not the rum that'll like we have we did F you. We're the we're the truck stop children of circuit whiskey in two thousand eighteen. <laughs> we did a cocktail product, which was a stupid idea. We start sticking things in Weller and we sell a barrel in thirty eight seconds. I mean, you have to understand it's it, it's, it's the that economics. easy. It's, it's, it's the name, man. Yes. So thank you, thank you, Buffalo. Thank you, Sazerac. Thank you, Buffalo Trace. Don't stop. Keep on with your keep on. Move forward. Somebody's gonna come to you, but can you get an Eagle Rare barrel? <laughs> I can. I mean, it's it's I need a, I need a Weller CYPB barrel. Yeah. Oh my. God. <laughs> no. You got it. It'll be hand drawn. My kid will color in white crown. <laughs> Like, right C. <laughs> Henry's going to have the best penmanship ever <laughs> writing CYPB on barrels. I think you need to put some of this stuff in new charred oak barrels. I, I do, too. I really do. I, I think if you're going to do anything, try that out, because that I think some of this younger stuff, too, which is still good. No, but, but it is. Throw like it in a, in, a, in a new charred oak barrel for a year or whatever. But see, I don't mind you saying that, because it is younger. And it's okay to. Well, well I'm not no. saying younger because it's You're not, not good, younger but younger, be, younger because it can afford it to has more take that time. Opportunity, right. correct? Yes. Yeah. Well, not only you don't that. take a 22 year and put it in yeah. a new oak barrel. Like, hand me this one right here. Like the color density, yeah. This is the silver dollar pick. Like the color density on this versus this. Like this is what sells that bottle. When somebody looks at a bottle and they see that that juice is dark and it's rich. 
Like they're gonna be like, that's some good shit, right? Like when it, that that's that's I, I think that's why spiced rum sells honestly more than regular rum. Correct, right? It's because people are like, ooh, look how dark that is. It's, yes, it's it, it's because they've just added flavor shit to it, right? It's not any different or anything else. Yeah. It's just like, that. But when people see this, like when they see that color, and and the twenty twos are ridiculous. I mean, they're absolutely ridiculously yeah. dark and delicious looking. It's uh, red. Yeah, it's like a yeah, it's totally different amber color entirely, but. But you can you, you, you can use that barrel a bunch of times too. Yeah, absolutely. You're not using it once. No, because we're not gonna you know, we're not gonna if we used a fresh you know, first you if we used a fresh American oak toasted barrel, yeah you we wouldn't we wouldn't underuse it where and I'd you know, you do whatever you want out there, people. Live your own life. You'd probably be able to but, do like six months, then the second batch would be eight I'm, months, and I'm the third gonna, batch would be... Yeah, I'm, t- I'm, I'm telling you, you can get Copper and Kings and Peerless involved. They age stuff with each other all the time. And to get you guys involved, I'd, that has to happen. Yeah. Get what's some rum dude, involved. What's that dude's 100%. name? Joe from Copper and Kings? Uh, Brandon. Brandon McDaniel. Brandon. Brandon. Mc, Brandon, okay. Brandon, Brandon I know. Brandon. I just know Drew. He runs the tour program. Right. I mean... Well, I, I, got, I got it. I, I got it figured out. But okay. I mean, but we can, we can, we we can make anything happen, man. Me and Travis, we know everybody, right? <laughs> leaning on you two, you guys are the the force of the company now. Yeah. Sorry, Jordan, you're out. Uh, he's not here. We'll kick him out. Yeah, he we'll kick Matt out. Yeah. Matt can't even show absolutely. up. Absolutely, absolutely, one hundred percent. We'll take it from here, guys. Well, 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 hey guys, Travis said he needed to leave an hour no. ago. <laughs> He really did. He yeah, did, maybe. He did say, I need to leave. At some point, we again. do have to end. <laughs> this is, I I mean, God knows how much editing Scott's going to have to do, but I feel like we, we didn't suck at this one. Like, No, we didn't. We never suck. I mean, that's the good thing about us. Now, I, people people are going to be mad because this is going to be like a three-part series where people are going to be like, I had to listen on the way to work four times <laughs> instead of one day because usually I'm, I'm hitting like 20 to 25 minutes on average unless I do a distillery um conversation those usually last between 40 minutes and an hour now we're about an hour and 35 minutes hey, in so. they're, they're either in or they're out that's right i mean if they're into rum they're in if not they're out that's right exactly hey, i listened to you know um dan carlin for five hours yep. you know talking about world war ii i mean i'm in and we're that, way but. more entertaining than that <laughs> yeah we're just as I mean, other than potty mouth turner over here I and mean, yeah. we just dropped the f-bomb yes, like 13 times already <laughs> I've been trying to clean my act up. I wasn't going to do it, but he was just uh, over here letting it fly. I, know. I was like, dang. And I, he drugged me in. I said it once. And I was it's like, dang it. I know. It's a Monday. <laughs> it's the best Monday ever for sure. Seems like a good time to. So, hey, I, I'm going to let you guys close. throw a plug in here so we can close this bad boy out. So, so if people want to come into Justin's House of Bourbon and they want to come see Travis, the authoritarian in, in bourbon, all things bourbon, how do they, how do they find you? Where do they come? What, what's up with that? First of all, I'm, I'm I am the most willing to be educated. So please, if you know something that I don't, I want to know that. Um, but no, we're down here, um, first in Market, downtown Louisville, right by Old Forester, right from right across from White Castle. That's what everybody the knows. WC Lounge, we, baby. We are a cornerstone of bourbon in Louisville. So come see us. We're open seven days a week. We're here. We just want to talk and have some fun and drink some good whiskey. House of Bourbon, uh, Louisville, Lexington, 
Uh, check us out on Facebook, Instagram. 11 Google, to 5, 11 whatever. to 6. What's the hours, man? Hours are a little weird. Um, we're open seven days a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 11 to 6, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We still open a little later, 11 to 8, Sunday, 1 to 5, just to be here. But, you know, that's a day of rest. So. Hey, giving people a little Jesus break in the morning. I yep, hear you. All right. right. Turner, Rolling Fork Spirits, Rolling Fork Rum. So go check us out. It's just me and Jordan Morris. We're just two dudes at rollingforkrum.com or hit us on Instagram at rollingforkrum or on Facebook. We will respond to you. It's the founders that are responding to you. I do want to just say thank you to Travis and Justin House of Bourbon. I want to say thank you to Scott for allowing us your platform. We hope that we've just been able to talk about stuff in a broad sense. So go ask questions. Go to your liquor store, ask them questions, go to places or people that you trust, ask questions, and go spend 55 bucks on something you want. Absolutely. And if you want to find some fantastic rum, you look for Rolling Fork Rum on any shelf, liquor stores. Where are you distributed, Turner? So we're distributed in seven states. Uh, we're here in Kentucky at Justin's House of Bourbon or at Westport or most independent, but also Liquor Barn, maybe Total Wine soon. Sealbox.com is a great place online to find us. Uh, if you're if you're driving through Mississippi, then go to Lincoln Road. Gotcha. Good deal. All right. And if you want to find Bourbon Barrel Talk, you can find us. You can email us. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook. Check out the Facebook uh, page. That's where most of our action happens between it and Instagram. Um, you can also check out our website. We're still redeveloping it and re-going through that bad boy. Um, any questions, comments, or concerns, make sure you send them in. We're getting ready to drop that question episode, so make sure you get those questions in before uh, next week. So this is Scott Turner and, just, and Travis signing off at Justin's House of Bourbon. Peace.